The Thread is a new hit podcast from Aussie Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another, like how John Lennon's murder connects all the way back to communist leader Vladimir Lenin. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. You are entering the Freedom Hut. It's a glorious week to be an American, my friends. The Libs are at DEFCON 1, full-on panic mode, because a Supreme Court vacancy has been announced. Justice Kennedy will retire. This means it will be an all-out political throwdown to see who will replace him. Coming on the heels of a very good week for conservatives at the Supreme Court and an overall fantastic week for President Trump, looks like the Libs are on their back heels. We'll talk about that and what's coming next. Next on the Buck Sexton Show. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America, great. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Kennedy is a swing voter, which means he sides sometimes with the Democrats. So his vote is really important if you're on the left or if you're in the middle. But it terrifies people in the middle and on the left because it has the potential to swing the court in a different direction. Some friends say he's been thinking about stepping down. And if he does, that would allow President Trump to make the court solidly conservative for decades. If he decides to retire, and there are signs that he would, it would be a war for this court like nothing seen in the past 30 years since the nomination of Robert Bork was defeated Mm. and Justice Kennedy took his seat. Everything changes in Washington if he retires. Mm -hmm. It would be just seismic. He is a moderate conservative. So if he goes, that's going to give President Trump a massive opportunity to move the court further to the right for generations. And Democrats would basically be powerless to stop it. The Democrats have to fight this tooth and nail. They have to use every process opportunity. They have to stop this until next year when we have a new Senate. Are you guys ready to uh, maybe rip up some of the rules that have limited Democrats? Democrats should dig in hard here and do everything they conceivably can do uh, to block this nomination, any nomination, from going forward. It's time for Democrats to throw down. We need to play by street rules. I think this is going to be the fight of the century. I think the Democrats have to say no way, non passario, no one passes yep. this line. I think it's going to be almost like Spanish Civil War stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Libs are terrified. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Uh, it has been such a good week. You know, they, they thought they had the administration cornered with this whole parental separation at the border thing they they thought they'd be able to just hammer trump on that going into the fourth of july holiday and then heading into the recess and all we'd hear about is you know oh trump is so mean he's so evil he's the worst well guess what it has been quite a week for this administration for conservatism and as i like to say for america it's a good thing my friends a very very good thing indeed Uh, You had this big decision come down today that, to borrow from the words of the left, gutted public sector unions, or will gut in time public sector unions, which I think is uh, long overdue. Very strong decision there. Very much a a worthwhile uh, deep dive for us coming up on on some of those, uh, some of that, some of what came from from all of it. Um, And now we also have 
the Kennedy Battle Royale that is expected. Uh, you had big things happening today. You know, no one's even paying attention. I think isn't Bolton meeting with the Russians? You know, to talk about U.S. Russia policy. I mean, there's there's other stuff that's going on that's not even on the radar right now because of what's happened at Supreme Court this week and and the panic over Kennedy. That what what is by the way, what is the strategy the Democrats have for trying to win in the midterms? They had they had they had one thing they were going to try to they were hoping for depressed Republican turnout and that they could get the base fired up for Democrats in enough places to take at least the House. And now now that Republicans, by the way, no conservative, no conservative can look at what's going on right now and say, yeah, you know what? I, I don't like Trump still. I'm still anti Trump. Oh, really? You're going to stay home with the court at stake after after what Trump gave us with Gorsuch. Now you're going to decide to be Mr. Principal or Ms. Principal and allow the Democrats to take control and put some, con- quote, consensus candidate. See, here's the thing, folks. I can tell you from the history of the court and the way that it has always gone, the left always stays left, just like the Democratic Party doesn't doesn't eat its own. They, they have a unified front when it comes to the acquisition of power. I mean, they'll squabble among themselves, but they always are unified against the enemy, which they view as the Republicans. Centrist jurists uh, are people that tend to be appointed by Republican presidents and then go against the right, but they, they'll call them centrists, right? Um, and, but but the le- on the left, you got the Ginsburgs, the, the Suitors, uh, the Sotomayors. Sotomayor, by the way, the, the worst justice on the Supreme Court right now. Look, K- Kagan, I give credit where it's due. You read Kagan and you read her opinions, you say to yourself, all right, this lady, you know, she's she's making an argument. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tear apart her argument on the whole public sector union thing. It's a little silly. A little silly. Elena, come on. Uh, but Sotomayor stuff is just, it's like I'm reading out of the teleprompter at MSNBC. It's just, you know, I hate this. And I like this other thing. So the law is whatever gives me the thing that I like. It's like you're on the Supreme Court, Justice Sotomayor. Come on, you can do better than that. It's not even making arguments. He's just just putting words to emotions and to preferred political positions. But uh, this, this, this creates a whole different set of calculations for the midterms. And I think that you're going to see... Uh, this throw... They should have been preparing for this a little bit, but don't be surprised... If we are to find out that turn up the DNC is not really wasn't wasn't really ready for this one. I've been alluding to this, by the way, I've been hearing from my sources for many days now that this was coming. So I've been alluding to it on my new TV show at hill.tv slash rising, which you can all check out at your leisure. Um, And in fact, if you do, I'll even call it leisure because I'm not from the UK. And that was weird. Uh, But the Kennedy Retirement announcement has just turned this summer from a, yeah, you don't have much in the Mueller probe. You don't have a lot of, you know, to, oh, my gosh, this is the fight to end all fights. Trump has already let it be known that he's got an excellent list of judges. Play clip 15, please. We have a list of 25 people that I actually had during my election. I had to 20, and as you know, I added five uh, a little while ago, uh, we have a, a very uh, excellent list of great, talented, highly educated, highly intelligent, hopefully uh, uh, 
tremendous people. I think you see the kind of quality that we're looking at when you look at that list. I added five uh, additional people to the list. So it will be somebody from that list. So we have now boiled it down to about 25 people. You know, he's he's adding adding some names to the list. It would be great to see, see some names on there, some fun names too, you know. Supreme Court Justice Janine Pirro? I don't know. Could be. He would he would defer, by the way, if I were to say that. He would be like, oh, Buck, come on. You know, I just want to write columns, play baseball, and go on TV from time to time. You know who would be a great Supreme Court Justice? Andy McCarthy. I want to start the Andy for SCOTUS, Andy for SCOTUS hashtag. He's, su- he's such a good guy, such a good legal mind, and an honest guy. You know one of the things I, I really like about Andy McCarthy? And, you know, he's a he's, Fox picked him up, which... Everyone, it's, it was amazing to see somebody get a, a contributorship at Fox, which is very hard to come by, and just see universal uh, praise and acclaim for the decision from the right. I mean, every every conservative I know was like, yep, Andy, Andy earned it. Andy's, Andy's doing the work. He's a good guy. You know, he, he's about the contribution to the conversation. He's not one of these, you know, dirty pool players or something out there in media. There's a lot of those. They work for CNN. Um, but, you know... Annie would be a great choice, I think, for Supreme Court. Judge Janine would be a lot of fun. Janine, Judge Janine is great, man. She's feisty. I like Judge Janine. Um, you've also got, I'm not going to say on a more serious note, but on a more likely note, uh, the possibility of Mike Lee, I think. Mike Lee would be on there. You know, I interviewed uh, Ted Cruz, what, a week or two ago. It all blurs together now. And I asked him about this, and Ted Cruz said, no interest. No interest in being a Supreme Court justice. He wants to stay in the political fight, which I viewed as a Ted Cruz way of saying he is going to run again. So there is that, uh, which, you know, who, who knows where the party will be at that point in time. Uh, but I can I I want to spend a little more time marinating in the in the general panic, in the general panic over at CNN when this was finally announced. Uh, please play 17. This could potentially transform the court for generations. And, you know, when you think of Justice Kennedy, you do think of someone who's a moderate. But his vote was crucial in a few areas. And let me just tick them off. Same-sex marriage, access to abortion, and affirmative action. Okay? So those are three areas in which he was a very key and deciding vote. And now with his retirement, of course, the president is going to get an opportunity to name another conservative, another conservative to the bench. It will cause an uproar, I can tell you, on Capitol Hill. You're heading into the midterm elections here, Brooke. And so once again, the Supreme Court will become a huge issue huge. for both Democrats huge. and Republicans. It is going to be huge, baby. You know what I mean? It really is. It's going to be going to be going to be crazy stuff at the, uh, over the Supreme Court fight. Uh, you'll notice what, what they're really worried about is abortion and affirmative action um, because they're clinging to a very flimsy legal fiction on both of those. Abortion is flatly not a constitutional right. Just, And I know honest leftists who will say that. In fact, the most famous professor of jurisprudence at my own college would be like, I, he he was, you know, abortion is absolutely a woman's right. And, you know, and, I, and even in, in college, I was like, I found the one pro-life professor on campus to be my my mentor and friend right i mean it's so this stuff has all been obvious to some of us for a long time but this guy was rabidly pro-choice 
But he was like, oh, no, Roe v. Wade is crap, crap law. It's not a good it's just not a good decision. It's just, oh, I want this. So I'm going to I'm going to write this in such a way that I can have what I want. Oh, that's like what Sotomayor does on every case, every case. I've never seen. She is the most consistently and completely wrong justice. She reminds me of this. uh, I had this teacher in high school. And to anybody from Regis High School is listening to this, you know exactly who I'm talking about, who who would make this offer to you that on a multiple choice test, if you could get the most wrong answer, every the most wrong, not just wrong, because there are four options, right? The most wrong answer for the whole test, I think you would get instead of 100 points, you would get like 200 or something. But if you got uh, more than two of them wrong, you got a zero. <laughs> I think that was what he, so it was quite a gamble. I never knew anybody took that up. But Sotomayor takes that gamble all the time in the sense that she's the most wrong on each Supreme Court decision that comes down. It's like you took a panelist from MSNBC and we're like, hey, just, you don't have any legal training. Just write something about this. What do you think about this? Who do you want to win? You know, what are you thinking? That's what she does. Uh, So that's going to be very interesting, my friends. This is going to be very interesting. Oh, but abortion or affirmative action, those are both, on legally flimsy ground, and they know it. They know it. Um, affirmative action in particular, gotta go. Gotta go. Now, abortion is a more important issue. It has to go too, but just understand this. I believe, looking into this now, and we're about to get into the whole fight, and oh, all the filibuster stuff, and who's responsible for the propaganda effort that is about to be mounted by the Democrats on the issue of this judge is going to... Do- it will... Mark my words, the propaganda effort from the Democrats on this Supreme Court nomination will make the Mueller collusion fantasy look sane and rational by comparison. I mean, this is going to be the knockdown drag out fight of the only I mean, the only thing I can think about that might come close would be the, you know, the fights over the Iraq war. You know, I mean, I mean, it's. This is going to be a whole other level, folks, of nastiness. I mean, the fact that we were having trouble with civility before this came down. Think about that. You think things are going to get more civil now? I mean, we just, if, if civility was at, a, was at one on a 10-point scale, it's about to go negative five. This is going to get crazy. But we should talk about the filibusters. We should talk about uh, where this is all going to go and what's at stake here for the left and Right. Also, I've got some thoughts on the, the border still and cartels, the tie to cartels. You know, that's a topic I've been talking about here for a long time. I've got more thoughts, more research that I've been doing into that. And we just have a, a rocking show for all of you. That's a uh, that's a promise. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Stay right there. We'll be back. The Senate should reject, on a bipartisan basis, any justice who would overturn Roe v. Wade or undermine key health care protections. The Senate should reject anyone who will instinctively side with powerful special interests over the interests of average Americans. Our Republican colleagues in the Senate should follow the rule they set in 2016 not to consider a Supreme Court justice in an election year. Mm-mm. The Senate stands ready to fulfill its constitutional role by offering advice and consent 
on President Trump's nominee to fill this vacancy. We will vote to confirm Justice Kennedy's successor this fall. As in the case of Justice Gorsuch, senators will have the opportunity to meet with President Trump's nominee, examine his or her qualifications, and debate the nomination. You know, the, the Democrats are going to get shameless on this one, more so than usual. So, I mean, there you have Chuck Schumer, who's they're just going to rewrite history. And they're going to shout down anybody that the talking points on this are going to come fast and furious. They're going to be rewriting history on this stuff and acting like they didn't open the door to eliminating the filibuster for judicial nominees. They did. It was them. They made the move. In fact, I know people say Mitch McConnell reminds them of like Myrtle the Turtle. You know, I know people say these things, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, is, you know, he's. But I got to give the guy some credit. I don't know. I don't know where Myrtle the turtle came to my mind. But, you know, there's something turtle. I mean, with the glasses, he just seems like if you had if you picked a, a spirit animal for Mitch McConnell, I think a turtle would probably be in the uh, in the mix. A tortoise, John says, is better. That's probably true. Now, remember the tortoise and the hare. Tortoise may be slow. The tortoise may not be sexy, but the tortoise wins the race. And with Mitch McConnell, guys, I'm people, you know, he's a swamp creature, blah, 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 all that stuff. Guess what? Mitch held the line on this and you got to give the guy credit. He got a lot of heat for it and the Senate colleagues and all this other stuff, whatever. Mitch held the line. You could say anybody would have, but I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Republicans gave on a lot of stuff. Mitch, Mitch, he could have gone along with a Merrick Garland thing. Oh, he's a centrist. Let's go with Merrick Garland. It'll make everybody happy. Bipartisan. Yeah, right. So we got to throw a little Freedom Hut high five to Mitch McConnell, everybody. He, he deserves it. Just saying. Plus, his wife is fierce. You see that, dude? That clip? You got to find somebody who loves you like Elaine Chow loves Mitch McConnell. When those, when those thugs came near him, she wasn't, she wasn't playing games. Proud. I was proud of her. Proud to see that. Ah, dude, she she'd be good. By the way, I I actually I'm not sure we'll get into because we're gonna have a lot of talk about the different nominees, different possibilities. But I actually think that uh, one of the very best candidates right now is in fact a very a, a conservative Catholic female. Uh, so not that we pick people based upon their gender identity or, or just their gender, uh, but just just saying that'll be interesting. That'll change some of the dynamics because they are. There is going to be all out assault on if it's a conservative and it better be, by the way, and I think it will. Trump knows Trump does this. He seals his legacy no matter what. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. But if he gets replaced by a hardline social conservative, it is the Democratic leadership will have hell to pay. They cannot let this happen. They have to play hardball. They've got to do exactly to the other side what Mitch McConnell did to them. Play hardball and win. They must prevent 
the, 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 the Republican-controlled Senate to pick another justice on this hard right court. Look at the decisions, starting with Bush Gore. Look at the decisions, starting going on to the Howard case, Look where everybody in the country can have the biggest gun they can buy. Look at the case on Citizens United, where the people with the most money win all the elections. And then that got off a decision yesterday, which is basically an anti-Muslim bill. They voted right down the line, 5-4, in every case. The Democrats have got to fight for that fifth seat with everything they've got. I'm going to Chris Matthews to put down the bourbon. Why is he always shouting? Why is Chris Matthews always shouting? Does he have an inside voice? Use your inside voice, Chris. Use your words. He's just always... Bah, 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 bah. I got to give the guy credit, though. He's got longevity in this business. Been around for a long time. You know, I actually met him once. True story. In a cocktail party in the D.C. area. It was fancy. Uh, he was boring. But Nice. You know, polite. We talked for like 20 seconds, so maybe I'm being too harsh on the boringness. He needs a haircut more than I do. Bam. Well, well played, John. True story. So, uh, you know, they're saying all kinds of crazy stuff now. The problem, folks, is that we live in an era when any of us who want can, via the, 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 the Google machine, figure out what the Democrats used to do and how they played this game when they were in power. And this is all part of the necessary corrective that the Trump administration provides after eight years of Obamaism. Right? Obama went scorched earth first three, first two years, not a single vote for Obamacare. He put through Sotomayor and Kagan, two just hardcore leftists, as his Supreme Court picks. By the way, one of them was in 2010, a midterm election year. And she was confirmed. So guess what? This argument you're seeing about how, oh, it's, a, it's an election year, you can't do an election. No, 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 no. It's not a presidential election year. It's a midterm election year, and the Republicans did not try or did not, you know, lay down on the proverbial railroad tracks to stop Obama from getting his picks. The, the people voted for Obama. Obama won those two elections, right? He got to put in two Supreme Court justices. And they are they are hard left. As I said, Kagan has some intellectual heft. Sotomayor, you know, it's it's like you're stepping into uh, the MSNBC green room to hear somebody give legal opinions who's never been to law school. It's just it's just the way it is. Uh, I'm speaking of that. We got to talk about this union case. I will get to the union case. I'm not trying to delay on that. That'll be coming up, if not right after this segment. It'll come up in the next uh, break, and. Yeah, uh, but Matthews knows that this is going to be a huge fight. And as I was saying a few moments ago, abortion and affirmative action are the two areas where they are they feel they're the most vulnerable. Uh, on abortion, what could happen, and it would take years, folks, and this assumes that we actually get a conservative justice through, but if it is no longer considered a constitutional right, which it is not, I mean, technically, they've made it one, but it is not actually in the constitutions. We all know it's not a constitutional right. If that happens, then it'll get passed back to the states and you will have states that will clearly outlaw abortion. In fact, Jeffrey Tubin, who I think is a particularly unreliable legal analyst on CNN, and just in terms of his predictions and and he's just a partisan, right? He's a partisan that they pretend is a legal analyst, but uh, he said this, and I think this is true. Play clip 20. You are going to see 20 states pass laws banning abortion outright 
just banning abortion, and because they know that there are now going to be five votes on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. And abortion will be illegal in a significant part of the United States in, in 18 months. Roe v. Wade is doomed. It is gone because Donald Trump won the election. Now, I want to be very clear about this. That is another way of saying what he just said. And now for liberals, by the way, this is this is going after their unholy grail, right? This is going after the most precious thing to modern liberalism, which is abortion. More than anything else, this is the one thing that is closest to, well, to call it a sacrament is the opposite of what it is. It's really a, a right, you know, R-I-T-E. Um, but they, they will fight with everything they have on this. They will go after people. The nastiness, the incivility you've seen will, will only escalate. But it's another way of, and I, I want to be very clear on this now. I want to make sure that I get on the record with this now. This means that if Trump picks somebody that he says he will, and I, we have no reason to believe that he won't, if McConnell and, this, and the GOP Senate holds the line, by the way, there are some Republicans I worry about defections from. You, you have some totally unreliable punks on the GOP side in the Senate. Jeff Flake. Oh, there's, there's a number of them, folks. You don't know what they're going to do. They, they might be willing to gum up the works here just because they know if Trump puts Gorsuch and someone like Gorsuch on the court, his four years have been, I mean, unless he actually does start a you know, nuclear war with China over nothing, his four years will be worth it. And I think everybody knows that. His four years will have uh, had real lasting impact. Never mind the fact he's crushing it on the economy. He's just, it's just been a great, he's completely put the uh, left-wing media on there. Back heels. He's changed the American conversation over politics and the media landscape forever. Uh, so that's all stuff that we have to thank this president for. But on abortion, and this is where I was going a moment ago, if he if this happens, if we get somebody who is a conservative jurist on the high court and Roe v. Wade is overturned, um, that will mean that Donald Trump will have saved countless likely millions of lives that's what that will mean that is what his election will mean think about that for a moment think about the impact of that and for all of my friends out there who are conservatives who are not cautious on trump not calling balls and strikes on trump but are still dead set against trump think about what you're really doing think about what's really going on here play the long game Lives are at stake. That is not an overstatement. If you are pro-life, you absolutely believe it with every fiber of your being. And President Trump, for all of his imperfections, for all of his locker room talk, and you know, which I know some of you like, I actually kind of like it, but for all of that, for his you know, lack of messaging, discipline, although you know, people say that, and I'm always like, this is the guy who single-handedly has taken on the left-wing media machine and is just giving them rhetorical bloody noses day in and day out rhetorical we don't actually believe in violence you know what i'm saying he's slapping them around buck slapping them left and right and but th that same president who has that ability will be will be in a position now to have saved going forward untold numbers of lives and I, by the way some of you are saying buck but there'll still be states you know california new york they'll still have abortion all nine months i understand that but, the, but there'll be other states that don't and that alone will mean fewer abortions 
which means more lives, more life, more babies. Um, so this is, the stakes are very, very high. And just one more thing, one more note on this, on affirmative action. The, the left doesn't have a leg to stand on anymore. Um, the cases that are being brought by Asian Americans on this about Harvard, and you're just seeing this elsewhere, affirmative action is something that people like that is legally not justifiable. And when I mean people, Democrats and the left likes it. Some conservatives, are not conservatives, some Republicans are kind of okay with it because they want to be accepted at cocktail parties. The same kind of Republicans that tell people they're libertarians at cocktail parties because they want to have friends, they tend to be okay with affirmative action too because they don't want to seem racist. Um, but affirmative action is on its last legs, and this will mean the end of it. And what will really worry liberals once affirmative action goes, and I'm getting ahead of myself here because they're going to put up, we're, we are never going to have seen a fight over a nominee like we're going to see over this one. People say it'll be like, Bork, I, I, I wasn't around for that. So certainly not in my lifetime or not in my adult lifetime. Uh, but affirmative action, if it goes, people will have to think back to and say, hold on a second. So was that really just unconstitutional the whole time? Were liberals just pandering to minority constituencies with a system of racial spoils, as Justice Scalia called it, a system of racial preferences because it was politically convenient for them and because there was a a degree of you know that's how liberals view the world that's how they view things uh there's going to be a fight over the history here of the filibuster thing i i I want to talk to you about that because that's important you're going to hear a lot of lies about it and then we will get into this public sector union issue which i have strong feelings about i was not in a public sector union but i worked for the federal government as you know cia i made a lot of coffee uh but didn't know about Black Rifle. Well, actually, Black Rifle didn't exist at the time, so I can't fault myself there. Drank a lot of commie coffee during my CIA days. Uh, 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. We'll talk a bit about the filibuster history. It's very, very important because you're going to see a lot of lies about this, and I want you to be up to speed on how they're lying. And then we'll talk about that Supreme Court case. I've got thoughts on the border, the cartels, what they're not telling you is that human smuggling, including of families and of children, is a massive profit maker now for the cartels, and cartels are using those same smuggling rings to bring drugs, of course, into the country. If you're moving people, you might as well move drugs. These are, these are stories, these are realities that need a, a whole lot more attention. Um, so there is that. Uh, by the way, if you want to send me some thoughts for roll call, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. And also we've been doing some uh, some fun Facebook lives, which you can check out there, too, which you'll see a little bit of an insider view of the Freedom Hut team. Light up the lines. Much more show coming. Stay with me. I think it was the single most consequential decision I've ever made. I felt very confident that had the shoe been on the other foot, the Democratic Senate simply would not have confirmed a, a Supreme Court nominee by a Republican president in the middle of an election. In fact, Joe Biden had said that in 1992. There wasn't a vacancy, but he had offered that obvious suggestion. I was pretty confident that the complaints would be pretty rank hypocrisy, <laughs> knowing full well that in the middle of a, of a presidential election, you're not likely to be able to confirm. Mitch McConnell, that was earlier today. 
Mitch taking a victory lap right now, my friends. Mitch is Mitch is pouring out Cristal and and hanging with all of his peeps. He he deserves it. He uh, good for Mitch, man. You know we gotta guys, we gotta give credit. I know people go on radio. They're like, oh, the Republicans sell us out and the establishment and blah blah. Yeah, I mean that happens too. But Mitch, he got it done on this one. On the filibuster, though, remember Harry Reid back in 2013 tweeted this out. Thanks to all of you who encouraged me to consider filibuster reform, it had to be done. They started this, folks. Republicans just finished it. You know, Democrats, when it comes to the filibuster and judicial nominees, the guy in the bar who pokes you in the chest. And then, you know, you lay him out with a haymaker and he's like, well, you didn't have to hit me. It's like, don't don't push me. You know what I mean? They pushed. They started it. We finished it. Uh, So that's and and now people are going to say, oh, Buck, but, you know, just wait till the Democrats. Yeah. Have you seen? It's going to be a while, folks. It's going to be a while before this is a problem we have to think about, like six years from now at a minimum, I think. Uh, so there's that. If Ted Cruz has his way, it'll be math. Buck is not good at math. 14 years until we have to think about this. I'll be an old man at that point. Uh, so Hen- uh, Senator Harry Reid said that. And just, you know, back in 2013, Mitch McConnell on this filibuster reform issue. Said the following. Play 22, please. Democrats are threatening to break the rules of the Senate, break the rules of the Senate, in order to change the rules of the Senate. And over what? Over what? Over a court that doesn't even have enough work to do? The majority leader promised. He promised. Over. And over again. That he wouldn't break the rules of the Senate in order to change them. If you want to play games, set yet another precedent that you'll no doubt come to regret. Say to my friends on the other side of the aisle, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. The words of Mitch McConnell, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think, Democrats. And here we are, prophetic stuff from Mitch McConnell. He is totally correct. He is right on this one. And... uh Good things, good things are coming, my friends. I think that we're going to see some, uh, although it's going to be so ugly. I I just also, it's going to be a good end result, I believe. But man, this is going to be so, so ugly in the meantime. People are just going to, they're going to throw everything they can. And I'm telling you about the filibuster thing, just so we're all very clear. They're going to lie to you. They're going to say, oh, there's a rule that Republicans, no, there's not. There's not some rule. The, the, The Senate Majority leader, when it was Harry Reid, they changed this so that they could start court packing. Obama engaged in a vast campaign of court packing at the federal circuit court level. And I think a third of the federal judiciary right now, Obama appointees. All right. Those are lifetime appointments. So now Trump is doing a good job, too, right now. But they started this thing and we warned them. Mitch McConnell, we just played you that sound. He warned them. And now here we are, you know. Elections have consequences. It is true. This is the this is the counterweight to eight years of scorched earth Obamaism. This is just the truth. They threw out all any sense, any pretense of bipartisanship, any willingness to work with the other side. It was gone for eight years. You know what? It's not coming back for a while now either. You know, that's the truth. Fair play is fair play and fair play is not going to be fun for the other side right now. So I think that we uh, we're, we do have an excellent list of judges to look at here, and I am very pleased about uh, what we are seeing so far 
in terms of the uh, the possibles. And uh, this is going to drive liberals completely and utterly insane. They are going to lose their minds over this. I don't know what happens. I, I ask this question in all earnestness, folks. Trump derangement syndrome plus open Supreme Court seat equals liberal DEFCON 1. I mean, they're, they're just going to be at, I, I don't know, they're going to be apoplectic over this. They're going to completely... They've already lost it over Trump. What happens when you've already lost it? What do you call that? You know, they're they're going to be in some other stratosphere of freakout mode, and it's going to get really, really ugly. I mean, if you saw the panic on social media today, I was seeing tweets. You had a former Obama administration official just tweeting out the F word. I mean, that's what people are doing now. They don't even know what to say other than just start screaming and cursing. But, you know, that's what liberals do. Big justice, uh, big Supreme Court decision, I mean, came down today about public sector unions. That's coming up. Home security can be a pain. You know you need it, but you also don't want to get locked into some long-term contract, some expensive to install and impossible to get rid of security system that you don't even really know how to use. Simply Safe Home Security fixes all of that. Simply Safe got rid of contracts and hidden fees. I've got the system at home. Let me tell you, it is so easy to use. It works off of your Wi-Fi. You can download an app to your phone. You can control all aspects of it from your phone remotely. And that also means that, guess what? Not only is there a system at your home, but you are in contact with it wherever you are, as long as you've got your smartphone on you. Check it out for yourself. Simply Safe is what home security should be. No long-term contracts, by the way. No sketchy fine print. Simply Safe gives you the best protection period. Go to simplysafe.com/buck. That's simplysafe.com/buck to protect your home and family with an A+ system. simplysafe.com/buck. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. With a more sensitive view of the First Amendment and with a track record of, la- of uh, labor management issues that have not has not always gone well for either side, the court has said enough is enough. You have the right to join the union and you have the right not to join and the government is not going to push you in one direction or the other. Judge, have you considered the financial impact of a ruling like this on unions in America? The court has not considered it. But for us to consider it, and the, and the unions know this, the word is catastrophic. The only reason, the principal reason, I should say, the public sector labor unions have survived to 2018, they're 100 years old, is because states have forced employees to join them. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. I, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with Judge Napolitano there. The judge, Napolitano. He's, he's a, by the way, a, a gentleman, a very, very nice guy. Um, I've always, always found him to be uh, quite pleasant and, and uh, very amusing backstage in the green room and all the rest of it. Really, really nice dude. Uh, but he's completely correct here. It is, it is catastrophic for public sector unions, this, this case that came down today. Janice V. Afsme. Uh, so here's the... Uh, we're state, county, and municipal employees, right? Here's here's what is that issue. 
Casey, to just just to give us a basis of this, and then I'll get into why it's a big deal. By the way, we also have to talk about this hour a, 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 a huge progressive win against a a very establishment Democrat in New York, which I think is it's much less interesting to us because of what it does inside the Democrat Party than it is about what it shows us about the trajectory of the Democrat Party, which is socialism. Open, outright advocacy for socialism. Now, this is this is gathering steam. This is going to be something that they will no longer be able to hide behind the Demo- Democratic label as much when we say that they are pushing for European-style democratic socialism. They will have to admit this, and I think the American people will reject it. But we'll get to that in, in just a few moments, though, in a little bit. Very interesting political dynamics at play in those races. And then also some talk about the cartels and just the media does not want to tell you about what's going on in Mexico. They don't want to tell you about human uh, about human smuggling and the role the cartels play in it. How much money is at stake here? The role of the cartels in creating this current migrant crisis at the border. They don't want you to know about this. They don't want to cover this. Uh, So I just think that it's important to spend some of our time on that but first in this case supreme court case another five another five four decision uh another five four decision that was a victory for uh free speech a victory for free speech um it was a situation where the the left had once again positioned itself where it would compel speech. And this is even a step beyond suppression of speech, right? If you if you go to the the last uh, words in Orwell's 1984, you know, the last paragraph, the last words, you will recall that the true victory of Big Brother comes not in the uh, terrifying circumstances of the, the omnipresent superstate and all that. The, the true victory comes through a denouncing of the woman that he loves, right? By by betraying his beliefs, betraying who he is. That is when you have been completely stripped of your being, of your of your soul, right? Of your conscience. And there are a number of liberals, liberal laws out there, and, and there is a, a tendency on the left to do just that. Bake that cake, you know. That's the shorthand for this. Bake that cake. Write what we tell you to write on that cake or else. Or else. That is their position on this. And in Janice v. AFSCME, uh, we see this yet again. So there have been a, a few of these cases. By the way, you had Masterpiece Cake Shop, which went in favor of free speech. The Becerra case, where they were no, they're no longer able in the state of California to tell crisis pregnancy centers yeah you gotta you gotta do a little a little advertorial here for abortion providers right that's no longer uh that's no longer a part of this that's no longer something that has to happen so masterpiece cake shop nifla v becerra and then the third one is uh the third one is this professional or sorry this union issue back on track this union issue where they will collect dues from you whether you agree with the union or not that was the way that it had been this is how they had sustained unions for a a very uh a very long time 
This is how they had sustained the unions. And now they've come out and they said, you know what? This is too much. This is a situation where we can't have people that are forced to subsidize what is inherently a political activity, which is the bargaining of public sector unions in, in all respects, right? Because this is literally the government trying to get stuff for the government. And if you don't agree with that, you shouldn't be forced to take to have money taken from you and given to them. Now, the reason the left gets so upset about this, the reason they become so very, very fired up is because this is what has kept teachers unions flush with cash. And who do teachers unions support? Democrats. This is where you have teachers unions able to draw upon vast reserves of cash that they can then throw into elections. This is the machine. This is the self-licking ice cream cone of the left. Um, that is what's going on here. That is the, the stakes. And that's why they're so very, very upset about this. Because a, a key source of political power for the Democratic Party today is that they can count on public sector unions for donations and then the Democrat politicians get into office and then they make sure there's more benefits and more the cash keeps flowing and et cetera and so on and so forth. So now you have a situation where they cannot compel that speech anymore. A 5-4 decision, though, just going to show you how hostile the liberal left really is to free speech. Just goes to show you how hostile the liberal left is to um, people being able to have their own beliefs and ideas. And in this case, uh, there was one, I'm trying to find the specific quote here. So we also, I had literally a, 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 an internet, <laughs> so I'm in this monologue, I'm like, I have an internet outage, I get what I think is an emergency text, and I've been up since 5 o'clock in the morning. So it's been, it's quite a scene in here in the Freedom Hut right now. Uh, but here's what, in the uh, majority opinion, Here's what Alito writes. When speech is compelled, additional damage is done. In that situation, individuals are coerced into betraying their convictions, forcing free and independent individuals to uh, to endorse ideas they find objectionable is always demeaning. And for this reason, one of our landmark free speech cases said that a law commanding involuntary affirmation of objected to beliefs would require even more immediate and urgent grounds than a law demanding silence suppression in some ways is even less odious than forced affirmation than forced celebration and i've been telling you for a long time what is the game that the left plays the left will say we just want tolerance and then they will say we want acceptance and then they will say we want celebration we want you to bend the knee. That's always the continuum that the left wing operates on. And with this issue of compelled speech, we see that once again. You will no longer have a situation where the um, where these public sector unions will be able to be an arm of the DNC, which is clearly what they what that that is what they are. They're an arm of the DNC now, uh, and they will not have the power they've had in the past. And so this is going after the Democrat power structure. And it's also, by the way, a very important. Uh, a very important precedent, I think, going forward. I think this will also affect some of the uh, 
some of what goes on with private sector unions. We'll have a union guy joining us later on on the show to talk a bit more about this in some uh, with some firsthand experience, some firsthand detail. Uh, but first, we got is Herb in New Jersey still on? I know he wants to talk about this. I haven't taken any calls yet. Herb in New Jersey, you're on, my friend. What's up? What the buck is going on, Buck? <laughs> uh, not much, Herb. What do you What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I have to tell you, um, I'm a conservative Christian, Second Amendment, NRA member, uh, pro-life, and I'm a teamster. So I have some um, uh, opinions about this case, and I also have some experience because for three years I was a union official, and I was a business agent for a uh, group of our, our members who worked in the public sector. So I'm, I'm very familiar with the subject. And I can tell you that what concerns me about this, first of all, um, when I was a, uh, a union official, I was required to uh, file information along with the other officers in our union every year with the Department of Labor, uh, part of an LM2 report, which we were supposed to uh, differentiate how much of our time was spent on representational I think we lost her. Did we lose Herb, guys? I can't hear. Herb, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can. Hello? Yes, sir. Okay. We're here. Um, we, were, we were required to differentiate how much of our time was spent on representational activities and how much was spent on anything of a political nature. And the percentage of our time factored into how much those who were considered agency fee payers would be required to pay in union dues. They were not paying full union dues if they chose to be what were called uh, agency fee payers. And um, anything that was spent from our local union on political purposes came out of a separate fund that was donated to by members on a voluntary basis. There was no coercion involved. It was you had to designate that you wanted X amount of money taken out of your paycheck uh, if you wanted it to be used for political purposes. Yeah, but isn't money fungible, well, Herb? I mean, come on, right? I mean, if I... If I again? I, money, is, it, it's fungible, it, meaning that if I, give you, if I give you money to buy groceries and you say, no, I'm only going to use, you know, and you say, I won't use this to buy, you know, I won't use this money for my house... Well, you got money to buy groceries now, so you got money to, you know what I'm saying? That That's the notion of separate pools of money with these union dues seems to me to be specious. No, unfortunately, there are very strict governmental requirements, reporting requirements, that each union is required to file every year on those very funds. Look, look up the LM2 report, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So wait, do you, can I ask you do, you, do you, do you disagree or do you agree with this decision today as somebody that's dealt with this firsthand? Uh, the, you know, I, I agree with just about every of the recent Supreme Court decisions, but I have a problem with this one. Now, as a caveat, I have to tell you, I have not yet read the full decision. So I'm not speaking in details. I'm speaking in generalities. I'm concerned about those people who we think of as freeloaders, because if you don't pay union dues, you're still required by other laws to be represented. So the union is going to spend money to represent you. No, I know this has been the justification all along, right? But it's still it's that's still political activity and that people if, if people are taking money out of someone else's bank account that goes toward a, an activity that is inherently political, 
that is that is subsidizing political speech. I mean, this is why the court ruled the way they did. No, politi- no, it's not political if it's collective bargaining. That's a different thing altogether. Well, I mean, I, I, I hear you, Herb, but the Supreme Court disagrees. And working conditions. Not who you're supporting for political office. No, but for, for government employees, everything is a part. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're talking about overtime hours, it doesn't matter what you're discussing. When you're talking about the employees of the government, there, there is an inherently political component of all those negotiations. I mean, this anyway, Herb, I, I hear you, and before we got to run into a, a break here, or else our, our lines are in our uh, sponsors are going to get mad at us. Uh, we got to go into a break, but Herb, thank you for calling it from New Jersey. Um, I'll come. I've got more on this. I want to read you what Justice Kagan wrote here because it was actually worthwhile and and it was good. And then we'll talk about uh, the leftward socialist tilt of the Democrats we saw on display in the last twenty four hours with some of these primary wins and. Cartels. We, we got a lot to talk about. We'll be right back. I just had my credit card stolen, folks. Uh, someone tried to go on a fraudulent shopping spree in NYC earlier this week. Just as a reminder that, you know, your information's out there. People can steal it. But credit card fraud is nothing compared to the nightmare you're in for if an identity thief takes control of your home's title. It's not a hard process, folks. There are Internet thieves all over the globe, and they want to go after Americans who have equity in their homes. What they do is take you off your home's title, replace it with an alias, then they borrow every penny possible. You know when you find out about it? When you start getting payment notices for loans, you know, people start demanding the money that you didn't borrow, but someone borrowed in your name. Don't let this happen to you. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most valuable asset, my family home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. So this is from the uh, the dissent. We had this big case about public sector unions. As I said, this is all about Democrat power. It's about compelling speech, meaning compelling people to engage in speech, not compelling like that's great speech you have. And uh, Justice Kagan wrote the following. Um, its decision, meaning the majority's decision, will have large scale consequences. Public employee unions will lose a secure source of financial support. State and local governments that thought fair share provisions further their interests will need to find new ways of managing their workforces. Across the country, the relationships of public employees and employers will alter in both predictable and wholly unexpected ways. This is good. that I'm, I'm glad that Kagan writes this here in the dissent because it tells you what's really going on. It's about money, folks. It's about money for unions and money for Democrats and elected officials and the Democrat political machine. That's what, that's what this really comes down to. Why, you might ask, would a Supreme Court nominee care about who's getting, you know, who's getting money out of this? Seems irrelevant to the question of should speech be compelled? There are a lot of things you could do that are unconstitutional that would give money to, you know, it would be unconstitutional, for example, for the government, I would think, to, you know, force you to donate money to a a certain a certain uh, religious group. That would be I think that's pretty flatly unconstitutional, right? Might be good. Might help some people, might, you know, feed the homeless somewhere or something, but they take money from you and they give they give it to the Church of the Freedom Hut. 
as much as that would be amazing, uh, it would be flatly unconstitutional. And Kagan kind of gives up the gives up the, the truth here, or give, gives up what's really going on by letting it be known that, that that their objection is about the fact that this is money for the left. This is money for uh, major Democrat causes. So, bottom line here, folks, big week for the Supreme Court for conservatives, and and for the you got to tip your hat to to President Trump here. You know, but Gorsuch is not just some snide little line. It's true because we have Gorsuch. Now we have some protections in place, some very important decisions this week from the Supreme Court that went went the right way. And after some of the decisions we've seen in years under the Obama administration that went clearly the wrong way. I mean, the Supreme Court saved Obamacare twice from itself, which is just appalling. Uh, It's nice to see the court get back to the law. Isn't that a crazy idea? Supreme Court focused on the law instead of what the political preferences are of the Democrat Party. I want to talk to you about some of these Democrat elections. I know usually, Buck, why do we care about it? Well, because socialism, my friends, is alive and well among the American left. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. The Senate Intel Committee with the House Intel Committee. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Okay. Reclaiming my time. Mr. Secretary, the time belongs to the gentlelady from California. Perhaps, Mr. Chairman, I don't understand the rules because I thought I was allowed to answer questions. Reclaiming my time, would you please explain the rules and do not take that away from my time. With this kind of inspiration, I will go and take Trump out tonight. (laughs) Unveil the criminal activity, the unconstitutional activity of this president and his family. So I have dubbed them the uh, criminal plan a long time ago and i will fight every day until he is impeached impeach 45 this is a bunch of scumbags that's what they are those are very strong words organized around making money the fact that uh, he is wrapping his arms around Putin uh, while uh, Putin is continuing uh, to advance uh, into Korea those are the words of an elected member of Congress, folks. Multiple terms at that. Maxie Waters. Getting a lot of attention this week because of her call to action to what, what I'm now calling politically motivated stalking. That's what we are seeing. It's different than protesting. Different than having your voice heard. It is politically motivated stalking. And it's going to lead to very bad things, as we've been discussing here. In fact, today, Washington Examiner had a poll out. 59% fear violence from uh, Trump haters. And 31% in this poll fear we are heading for a civil war. Now, I do not think we are heading for a civil war, but I do think that we are going to see anti-Trump violence. I think that there's no way that the left is going to turn back towards sanity without even further transgressions, without going deeper into the crazy. Now, my expectation is that we will see Democrats 
engaging in behavior going forward now that the Supreme Court is also at stake? All bets are off. Who knows what they're going to do? And the more successful Trump is and the more unified behind Donald Trump, the Republican Party becomes because of his successes. The more they will hate him. The more they will find excuses in their own minds to take action against Trump officials. And if you are willing to go up to a stranger and try to intimidate them based upon ideology, it is not a far leap for people to do more than that. Those same people. It's not, you know, I I keep saying this, you know, this is a combustible situation. Uh, This is combustible. You have aggressive, angry people confronting human beings on the street, outside of their homes and restaurants. That can quickly lead to an escalation. As I was saying to you, I mean, I just think about it this way. If I were, you know, if I were out with Miss Molly and look, I know I'm not a White House official and whatever, but I'm just I'm a conservative. And people have come up to me, you know, occasionally in in, in nice parts of the country where the nice people live. They've come up like, hey, Buck, it's very nice. By the way, if you ever see me, please do say hi. I love seeing members of the team, Uh, especially when I'm with Miss Molly. Makes me look cool. So. But, but, you know, if I were out and, and a group gathered around me and they started yelling, you know, epithets at me and being hostile and everything, I, I'm I'm not an elected official. I don't think I just walk away from that. And that can get all it takes is one person to get a little too close in your face, you know, maybe spit in your face or just just take one little shove and things get out of hand really quickly. And nobody wants that. That's not the way this should go. But they're going to push until that happens. And then they're going to try to rely on their allies in the left wing media to say that it was. You know, the confrontation was a misunderstanding or it's not representative of the left, but they are creating the environment. They're creating the hostile environment and circumstances for violent confrontation between left and right in this country. They are doing it. They're knowingly and willfully doing this. And it's going to have very, very serious consequences, I think. And this whole Supreme Court component is only going to exacerbate the situation and make it worse. So keep that in mind. Now, there's also a strain of of extremism that you are seeing on the left, a more open and radical socialism that got a boost with the win of uh, of a young woman by the last name of uh, Cortez. I can't. It's actually a hyphenated last name. I'm not big into hyphenated last names, so I'm just going to call her Cortez, but she has a there's a name that's before it. I just can't remember what it is. But she beat this guy Crowley, who is a machine politician, really the third or fourth most senior Democrat in the House of Representatives, representing Queens, this guy Crowley. And now he's he's a lib. I mean, he's a big liberal. No question about it. But he, he's a machine politician. Many, many, many terms in the Congress. And this uh, young woman, Cortez, she's 28 years old. She beat him. So now she's the overwhelming favorite to uh to def- to w- win the win the seat right win this congressional seat in queens i mean queens is democrat stronghold it's one of the five boroughs in new york city um and i wonder if it's well i don't know if manhattan or queens is more more blue it's probably like comparing a 92 percent with a you know 87 percent or something they're very 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 overwhelmingly democrat districts uh but crowley lost which was a big Shot across the bow, and Democrats are all, oh gosh, you know, because the machine politics, of the Democrat Party, the Hillary wing 
of the DNC and the Democrat machine is like, whoa, hold on a second. You know, we're, we're, this is not how this is supposed to go. Those who raise big money, those who have the political connections, they're supposed to be the ones who win. And people are saying this is their canter, uh, their Eric Cantor moment on the left where the, the grassroots can't be ignored and everything else. But what I think is so interesting is that this candidate Cortez is a, a pretty radical leftist. Uh, she wants, uh, she, she wants uh, not just universal health care, but I think also universal child care. She is in favor of uh, abolishing immigrations and customs enforcement, which I want to return to. What, that, what does that even mean? What, what would we replace that with? She wants a federal guarantee of jobs for everyone. How would that even work? Right? Free college, of course. That's now become Democrats talk about free college all the time. Democrats are the party of Santa Claus. Although they don't want to call him St. Nick because, you know, that sounds too religious and stuff. But they're the, they're the party of free stuff. Who's going to pay for it? Don't worry about it, you mean fat cat. Somebody else will, not you. Uh, and she, she also, I believe, is a pro-universal uh, basic income person. So she she wants the government's going to pay for your health care, pay for your school. Oh, and, and housing, too. She's a universal housing person. You have a right to housing. You have a right to school. You basically have a right to everything. And, and folks, this is getting real close to some of the stuff. in I'm going to say the Soviet Constitution, Soviet Constitution said you have certain weeks off. You know, you, you get a, everybody gets weeks off. Everybody gets housing. Everybody gets everything. You get a car. You get a car. Right. Everyone gets whatever they need. But as we know, there's a fundamental flaw in socialist thinking and socialist logic, which is that it privileges the group over the individual and it tries or it is inherently a refutation of self-interest, which is a universal human constant. You are more interested in what you are doing in your day to day than what any group is up to. That's just a fact. That's just reality. Right. And you are more more motivated by your own. And this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is the basis of human progress. You're more, more motivated by what you are doing, what you are responsible for than what other groups and, you know, historical grievances and all that stuff. And socialism doesn't take that into account. It is essentially based on lies and illusions. And we're now seeing a rise of more clear and, and radical left socialist tendencies within the Democratic Party which I think is indicative of just how in, you know, just how far gone they are because of their Trump derangement syndrome. They really have two choices here. And I think this Crowley loss, although he was also a pretty far left guy, but this Crowley loss is indicative of which path the Democrats are taking. Their choices are moderation, centrism, run candidates who served in the military, run candidates who say they're pro-Second Amendment but anti Assault rifles, right? Say they're um, in favor of life, but or they're personally pro-life, but policy pro-choice, right? Run these kind of hybrid head fake candidates, the Connor Lambs, if you will, or run these hard left Bernie Sanders wing, free stuff for everybody. Nobody's going to pay for it. Abolish ICE. This is something you're hearing now. This is this is becoming a talking point that's spreading. Abolish ICE. So so we are open borders then. People say, oh, well, no border patrol. But yeah, we know that. But the border patrol has to hand people over. And the processing of who's here legal and who's not is handled by ICE. Immigrations and customs enforcement. And if you were to abolish ICE, I would I would note 
Think of what that would mean for uh, drugs being shipped in this country, for the uh, cartels. You know, this, this is, which we're going to talk about more in just a moment. But there is a, a leftward lurch in the Democrat Party right now that is not to be ignored. And it, 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 we should all remind ourselves, whatever imperfections you think the GOP has right now, whatever imperfections you think Donald Trump has, understand what the alternative is and understand what the stakes are. And I could not have been more serious when I said to you that Donald Trump's victory, because of the implications for the Supreme Court, uh, could very well mean that hundreds of thousands, millions of lives going forward will be saved. People will have lives that would have had their lives taken away because of what Trump can do. That is, that is powerful. That is profound. It is a deeply meaningful reason to push and to fight for what is right and what you believe in. Remember, the other side is the radical party of abortion, all nine months of a pregnancy. They are completely unreasonable. They are extremists on this issue. They are vicious in the protection of this. And you will see that come up with the Supreme Court uh, nomination fight. They are vicious over the issue of abortion. And they're also going to be more open about pushing these radical ideas like eliminating immigration and customs enforcement. This is the this is the beginning of the dis, uh, dissolution of this country. When people start start talking about getting rid of our southern border, what they're really saying is we're going to dissolve America as we know it. And that they're saying this openly now, not just to donors behind closed doors and not just to whip people up into a frenzy on Twitter, that we are hearing this from uh, people winning elections. In the Democrat Party is a sign of how troubling things are. Think about it this way. You know how crazy the anti-Trumpers are right now. Imagine what they'll be like if they actually get a taste of power again. Do you think that they're going to act as though they've been chastened by Trump's victory over Hillary? Do you think that they're going to take the approach that they should try to bring us back? No, they're not going to bring us back to the center. They are going all in in the opposite direction. They will do deeply destructive things to this country. The midterms are important. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the most profound, important. Everyone says about every election, right? But this midterm election coming up is going to be very important for the reasons I'm stating. And I don't want us to lose sight of that. We'll have a lot more on the specific candidates, and I'll probably have some candidates you know, calling in a joint. I really like this guy, uh, uh, Crenshaw, uh, the Navy, former Navy SEAL down in Texas. We'll get him to come on and join. Uh, but we got a lot of people to talk about, to talk to here on the show. By the way, uh, hill.tv slash rising. Uh, tomorrow morning, we've got a tremendous lineup of guests, so get ready for that. Uh, you can also watch it on demand anytime throughout the day, so don't think you have to catch that live. And the Freedom Hut podcast will be out tomorrow. Um, sorry about the delay. I know I said today, but uh, you guys heard me almost pass out on air before. It's been very, it's been a very tiring week. I'm going from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. pretty much without a break. Maybe I got an hour during the day to kind of regroup. Set my engines back to neutral. Uh, kick back, relax and, relax, and let the good times roll. So we've got more of that coming up. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Stay with me. The, the, the liberal tears today... We're flowing like a river. There was so much sadness and, and really rage all over the social media over the uh, Kennedy 
the Kennedy uh, announcement because they know they're worried now. And this and they forgot very quickly about children being separated at the border. Right. All of a sudden that was rear view mirror, folks. I thought that was the, the great moral crisis of our time. I thought that was modern Nazism. Oh, no, no. A Supreme Court vacancy opens up. Oh, my gosh. A lot of cursing, by the way, as well. A lot of profanity. Liberals like to curse a lot. You know, I curse in my private life, as some of you know. If you ever meet me and I start talking to you, I may drop a little salty language here and there. Not in a bad way, but, you know, I think cursing can be a colorful part of discourse. But obviously not here on my show. And, and I've avoided it thus far. Some people have deserved me to curse at them publicly. Uh, some mainstream n- news folks have deserved me to uh, ha- have been deserving of a buck slap that could start with a, you know, with with different letters and different words. Um, but uh, I've I've refrained. But I'll, I'll just note that the left does not have any have that issue. By the way, the uh, woman's name because I I wasn't trying to. I'm not somebody who makes fun of names. That's for clowns. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez was her name. So Ocasio-Cortez is actually her last name. Oh, by the way, she wants to uh, impeach Trump. Keep that in mind, too. So we already know they're going to try to do that, folks, if they win the House. Not only will they try to keep abortion going no matter what, they're also going to try to uh, impeach the President of the United States, who is doing a great job for all Americans, no matter how much 40% or whatever of the country hates him. John in Delaware, you've got thoughts. We've got ears. Let's hear it. Shields, hi, Buck. How you doing? Shields, hi. Thank you for the call. I'm good. Good, sir. Yeah, Buck, I just wanted to, to mention the fact that, um, I mean, if, if Donald Trump does elect one of his picks to the Supreme Court as a justice, what will the left really be able to do to stop it? Absolutely nothing, right? Well, not necessarily. Um, they won't I mean, they be... could cry about it for about six or yeah. seven months like they do with everything no, they're, no, else, it's, can they this really is, do something? Yeah, they can, my friend, because there's something called weak Republicans out there, and if you have a few defections, and already uh, Collins, for example, I mean, there, there are some Republicans in the Senate who are getting who are getting weak on this one, then you got a problem, right? So that's how this becomes an issue. Um, so that's what I think you need to keep in mind here. You know, you got you got uh, Murkowski, Collins, Blake, any of them could be an issue. This is going to be a 50-50 or a 51-49 situation for this nominee, folks. John, thanks for calling in. It's good to clarify that point. Hour three coming up. Information is power, and with Global Verification Network, you have a powerful information ally on your side. Global Verification is the only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company. I completely trust these guys, and you should too. They are headquartered here in Chicago, unlike a lot of their competition. They're not some huge, nameless, faceless conglomerate. They don't send your casework to be done overseas by people you can't reach on the phone and having your information stored in servers that they can't honestly tell you where they are or who's even securing them. Go with Global Verification Network for all of your background investigation and vetting needs. If you are trying to think about a new tenant for a property, a new hire for your business, you need Global Verification Network. Go to mygvn.com, that's mygvn.com, or call 877-695-1179, 877-695-1179. Global Verification Network, leave no stone unturned. 
Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The rhetoric we hear from the other side on this issue, as on many others, has become radicalized. We hear views on television today that are on the lunatic fringe, frankly. And what is perhaps more galling is the hypocrisy. These same people live in gated communities, many of them, and are featured at events where you have to have an ID to even come in and hear them speak. I like the little security around themselves. And if you try to scale the fence, believe me, they'll uh, be even too happy to have you arrested and separated from your children. If they would like to see that. Uh, uh, so they want borders in their lives, but not in yours. Attorney General Sessions is totally spot on when it comes to the issue of, of the border, border security, and I know that there have been some issues with him and with the administration because of his uh, recusal decision from the Russia probe. But by the way, I think that Russia probe is going to be over by the end of this year. I don't think there's that meaning that the the meaningful part of it for political stuff, they can keep talking about Russian Facebook trolls and all that's that. That's not I'm talking about looking at Trump collusion and Trump campaign collusion. I think it's going to be over by the end of the year. So the nightmare will end, folks. I'm pretty sure of it. Got some sources here in D.C. that are telling me they're at that phase. I've even heard from some never Trumper deep, uh, never Trumper deep state types that they realize now they're they're not. There's no there there. And we've I've known this all along. You've known this all along. But they're going to figure this out. But isn't it remarkable to see how quickly the liberals have shifted from the most important issue of of, of our of our time right now? The uh, the internment camps, the prisons for babies, the the Nazism, all these horrible, overstated, exaggerated, just untrue things that they've been saying about what's going on at the border. Isn't it fascinating to see that now that there are judges, there's a judgeship at the Supreme Court on the line. We kind of forget about the border. Well, I'm not forgetting about the border. And there's a part of this that does not get nearly enough attention. And that is these human smuggling networks that are bringing these people into the country, bring them up to the border. Remember, a lot of these, quote, migrants that are being caught and then are subject to family separation, they've already gotten into American, they've crossed in illegally in American territory and they've been picked up. Some of them are being grabbed at checkpoints and then you're seeing liberals say, oh my gosh, we have checkpoints. Yeah, that's right. We have checkpoints to stop people from illegally coming into the country. That's why they exist. We went from don't separate families to don't detain families. It's like, well, if you don't detain families, guess what? You've got effectively, a, you've got a porous border. Maybe they'll say it's not open, but it's porous. It means all you have to do is find the opening in it. But the cartels have a hand in this, and this is being downplayed because this, the narrative has to be at our border for the for the left to get their way, for the Democrat Party to be successful in its demagoguery here and its propagandizing on issues of the border, they have to make sure people don't realize that the cartels are making hundreds of millions of dollars. That's right. Hundreds of millions smuggling people in the United States. It's not really that hard when you think about the numbers here, right? You got 
tens of thousands, maybe a, you know hundreds of thousands of illegal crossings. A lot of them are you know are uh, through coyotes, right? That's the way to do it. And the coyotes are just the human smugglers that are going to, at a minimum, have to be paying off the cartels, if not actively working for the cartels, which means the cartels are making money either way. The political violence in Mexico right now, also something that no one seems to really want to get into, is completely out of control. In at least there's five Mexican states, uh, Michoacan, Sinaloa, uh, Guerrero, Taumalipas, and Colima, uh, that the State Department has issued do not travel advisories for. And the violence that has occurred recently even uh, in, involves assassinations against uh, politicians. Uh, almost 30,000 people killed last year. You're probably going to break 30,000 murders this year in Mexico. Cartel violence totally out of control. Cartels are more powerful than they have ever been. And this border issue right now is enriching them through the human smuggling and through the drug smuggling that, yes, is a part of the illegal immigrant pipelines into this country. So think about all the ways that Mexico is causing real problems for us. Forget about just the economic stuff and the economic drain and all that. Look at the security issues, okay? Mexico has cartels that are running out of control right now. Uh, Mexico is bringing illegals into our country, including illegals who then go off and either join or recruit for gangs like MS-13 that also have cartel connections. And they are bringing drugs into the country that lead to thousands and thousands of overdose deaths a year. And all we're hearing about, the only part of the story that we're allowed to talk about is teary-eyed children being separated from their parents. We're not allowed to look at the other issues here. Now, look, I, I'm, I think, you know, yeah, deta- detain the family. Detain, process, and send them back right away. Keep them together. Make sure that they're actually a family first, but keep them together. Find ways to do this. You know, 85% plus the American people are in favor of that. Okay. Um. You know, the, the system the system was being exploited by illegals. The illegals essentially broke the system. They overran our border fortifications, so to speak, and now we're fixing it. They chose to overrun it, though. So this whole thing of, oh, we're so evil and we're the Nazis, it's garbage. That's, that's unfair. It's not true. And now we're going to be detaining families, but we have this other component of this that needs to get much more of our focus. And look, Jeff Sessions is really good on these immigration issues. He does not waver. He does not back down. He understands the issues backwards and forwards. I think it's why he's still in this role, by the way. Because as much as Trump may be frustrated over the Russia collusion probe and how Sessions recused himself from it, as much as he may feel that frustration, the fact of the matter is that Sessions on policy may be Trump's most important single player after Mattis at defense, who has been relatively quiet recently. We haven't been hearing all that much about But Sessions is on the front line here of the immigration issue and I think is doing a very, very good job. By the way, uh, the the compromise bill today in the Congress just fell flat on its face. I mean, the compromise bill was like the pudgy kid who's got the T-shirt sunburn who does a belly flop into the shallow end of the swimming pool. You know, it just was a mess. And we knew that was going to happen. So that didn't go anywhere. 
Uh, the, the fact is that within the Republican Party, there's still a real split over what our immigration priority should be, what the most important thing is that can be accomplished uh, through for immigration, through immigration. So, you know, we, we need to have a continued focus on this. And and I think that, you know, the good news is that we don't we while we don't have a wall, we've got a Supreme Court nomination that's hanging in the balance. So that's going to get turnout. That's going to consolidate the GOP. That's going to consolidate conservatives and Republicans going to these midterms. But man, for Trump's reelection, I'm just looking kind of far out of things. But for Trump's reelection, we need that wall need to get that wall up. And that has to happen. Uh, so I think that's. Very, very important for us to keep an eye on. But this this cartel issue, I'm telling you, this is a this is a major national news story. The cartels are flush with cash, not just from drugs, but also from human smuggling. Remember, six or seven thousand dollars a person. How many thousands of people need to give you six or seven grand before you made a lot of money? Not very many. And it's probably tens of thousands. It might be over a hundred thousand people that are paying. And some of them pay more. Probably have to pay per head for their whole family. So because we don't have a secure border, because we don't have a wall, the drug cartels that are sawing people's heads off like Al-Qaeda back in the day are rich beyond people's wildest imaginations and are a real threat to Mexico's national security and even the national elections, which are set for July 1st, folks, exerting a lot of pressure there. So keep an eye on the cartels and the human smuggling networks. Don't let the media just tell you about all the valedictorian DACA folks. We've got a lot more coming. Stay with me. Nine Line Apparel is more than a gear and apparel company. Nine Line is about all of the issues that matter to you. Yes, they have cool looking designs and they have top quality fabrics. So you're comfortable and looking good all the time. But also when you see what they stand for, you'll know that this is what you stand for, too. They're all about first responders, military, law enforcement, and encouraging a conversation between those who serve and those who support them. I'm sitting here right now in a T-shirt designed by Nine Line Apparel, 22 veterans a day, veteran lives matter. So it's a cause as well as gear, my friends. Check it out for yourself. They have so many different designs, and they support so many worthy causes. Go to NineLineApparel.com. Use the coupon code BUCK20 to save 20% off your next order. That's Nine Line Apparel, coupon code BUCK20. That's a great deal. 20% off the full price of your next order at NineLineApparel.com. Today was a fantastic fulfillment of Osama bin Laden's vision by Donald J. Trump. What Osama bin Laden <laughs> hoped to idiot. provoke was a war of civilization, a war between the West and one billion Muslims. And so what Donald Trump and this Muslim ban signal to the world is that Muslims are not welcome here. Oh, my gosh. Steve Schmidt is like on a he's on a on a tear this week. He is, you know, the, you know, remember the old Dos Equis guy? Stay thirsty, my friend. The good one, not the one they replaced him with, who was terrible, right? I mean, the original one, right? That Dos Equis guy. Uh, and, and he was the most interesting man in the world. Uh, Steve Schmidt seems to be trying to be the most, uh, the most idiotic pundit in the world this week. And, you know, I've heard people say, it's, this is not personal. I've heard people say he's actually a nice guy. I don't know him. So this, isn't, this is not a, I'll always tell you when I don't like somebody, by the way. It's not that I don't like Steve Schmidt. I don't know him. But what he's saying on air is terrible. Uh, terrible in a good way because it's fun to come in here and make fun of. But this is the guy who 
Yesterday we had him on air talking about how, you know, North Korea and Venezuela and Cuba, you know, they don't have they don't have concentration camps for little kids at the border like we do. And you're like, dude, come on. Or he wasn't North. He said Venezuela and Cuba, not North Korea. But it's just crazy stuff. Now he's talking about Donald Trump implementing bin Laden's vision. Folks, I can assure you, okay, I can assure you that jihadists, when they have their pick, would rather have a far-left progressive Democrat to deal with, than, or just a Democrat, period, than anyone on the right. Because on the far left, on the Democrat side of the aisle, what you have when it comes to jihadism, which is a subject that I will be returning to here on the show when it's more in the news cycle. You notice it's kind of dropped, it's dropped down, right? Not, not really getting much attention these days. Uh, but the left makes all kinds of contorted and convoluted uh, explanations for jihadism. The left is constantly finding ways to blame America for the rise of jihadism. Although you did have Ben Rhodes, and you know, with just the crazy news cycle this week, I didn't get a chance to address it. Rhodes said something along the lines of, well, to be fair, I just saw the headlines. I didn't even get to dig into it. But talking about the Obama administration policy in Syria and whether they realized it or not, there was a an arming of bad guys that went on, you know, of jihadists, because by trying to arm people initially, there was that Pentagon program and. You know, they're trying to build a Syrian, uh, a Syrian anti-Assad force that, I mean, they spent $500 million, I think, and they trained five guys and the weapons all disappeared. And that went to jihadists. A lot of that ended up in jihadist hands. But the, the Obama administration is a perfect example of trying to placate implacable enemies. And it's a terrible idea. It never works. But for somebody to go on MSNBC and say that Trump is implementing bin Laden's vision, this is just another version of the stupid talking point you hear. And it's, in fact, one of the root fallacies of our fights against Islamic extremism around the world. And the root fallacy is the cause of jihadism is the fighting against it. You see, I I can play this game. In fact, I had to take the opposite end of this argument because it's the right one at CNN when there was always some of you. I, I wish we even had the clip right now. After the Nice massacre at CNN, when some lunatic Islamic jihadist, uh, that's repetitive, I know, but uh, some Islamic extremist ran over almost 80 people, if I recall, just murder, mass murder of people with a truck on Bastille Day, which is their great day of national celebration. And I went on CNN and one, I was the fourth person on a panel and one after another, each one of them, each one of them said, well, you know, the problem, I mean, the, the, the bodies were still on the ground, folks, okay? And each one of them was saying, and it was a former, you know, a former CIA guy like me, uh, um, although former CIA from like 20-some-odd years ago, I think, uh, a couple of generals, and, and then an academic who, that you know where that's going to go, a, quote, academic on radical Islam. Academics on radical, radical Islam tend to write papers about how, like, I mean, are they really that radical? Meh. Uh, but but their whole line on what was going on in Nice was that this was the result of Europe's poor ability to integrate Muslims into its society. I mean, mass murder of almost entirely, you know, French, Christian or secular Europeans. And the response is, well, they don't do a good enough job. This is what you're seeing on TV on a major national network. This is part of why I just I just couldn't do it anymore. I think I've told you before. And there's a there's this is also why 
you may occasionally see out there some hostility directed very much at me from people at CNN because I left. And that's not supposed to happen, right? When you're brought in there and, and they want to keep you around, you are supposed to be grateful because it's, oh, it's CNN. Right? I left because I thought it was gross. I just didn't, li- I didn't like what was going on over there. I didn't think it was honest. I didn't, think, I didn't think there was any integrity in it. And so that makes me a marked man over there now, which is fine. Whatever. Bring it. Bunch of wimps. Uh, but th- well, this is a perfect example. I, on TV, they have all these different people. They're taking this position during, after a mass casualty terrorist attack that we are the cause of it. That's Democrat thinking. That's left-wing thinking. And, and you see it with, with attack after attack. And it's always either our fault or... Well, it's our fault, and, and one of the primary reasons it's our fault is that we tried to do something to stop it. That wasn't so much the case in the Nice attack, but it's been the case in countless other uh, left-wing variations on the, oh, terrorism is, is our fault theme. In fact, on 9-11, I remember hearing professors when I was in college, and I mean on 9-11, on the day, get up in front of the whole school and say, this is what happens when you make people angry. Ooh. People have moments in their lives when they realize what they believe and who they are. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm a patriot and a conservative. And these people in this room, I don't know what they're, I don't know what they are, but we're not on the same team, folks. It's also when I started to think, maybe I'm going to go join the CIA. Um, in retrospect, I wish I joined the military, but CIA was a good second choice. Good, good second best. Uh, but anyway, so, so for Schmidt to say that Trump is implementing Bin Laden's vision, this is just crazy. First of all, it doesn't even deal with the fact that North Korea is on this list, Venezuela is on this list, and you know what? You know what the real, the real truth is? The Muslim world doesn't really care. They've got other things to think about. What, we're so worried about not getting enough, not, not getting enough foot traffic from you know, Yemen and Sudan? There are case-by-case waivers. Uh, the, the whole policy is under review. Those countries can make all this go away if they just get better vetting procedures, as some countries already have. Anyone who wants to look at this, it's actually entirely reasonable. They're countries that were picked out by the Obama administration as security threats. So I, I don't know. Did, did Trump have a time machine, go back in time and make Obama's people pick out these countries as security threats? Yeah, you know, I just I understand the need that people look, people got to put food on the table. You know, you're going to go on MSNBC. You're going to say some crazy left wing stuff. I get it. Right. I, I understand. That's what you're or or you're going to be conser- a quote conservative who's like Donald Trump is Hitler. I'm the real conservative. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about any, as I've said to you, anyone who claims to be a conservative who is out there and now saying that they will vote for the party of uh, abortion, the party of, of, of death in so many ways. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it's a disgrace. It really is. Uh, but Schmidt, I don't know. I, I'm so, at some point, I'm sure we're going to get to meet each other and may, maybe he's a nice guy, but I, Dumbest, dumbest stuff I've heard on TV all week, maybe all month. He's really in a class by himself on this one uh, and, and does not know what the heck he's talking about with Bin Laden's vision. Should, should stick to, you know, running and uh, picking political candidates like Sarah Palin as VP because that was a great idea. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, by the way, we're going to have a buddy of mine. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know him, but we're going to be buddies because he's going to call in not really a buddy of mine because i don't know him and i've never even met him but andy sullivan will be joining us he's a union member i just wanted a union guy to call and tell me what he thinks about the supreme court decision i want a union pers- a union perspective on this so we're gonna get a union perspective in just a few minutes
Yankees holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. All right, so we've talked about this huge decision today from the Supreme Court that the progressive left is saying, oh no, it's going to gut public sector unions. What will we ever do? Well, what is the truth of public sector unions and union life in general in this country these days? We've got somebody who can give you an insider perspective. Andy Sullivan is with us now. He is a 20-year union member and former leader of 9-11 Hard Hats. Andy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Buck. I appreciate you having me. Just give me your, your, your quick reaction uh, to tonight's uh, or today's Supreme Court justice decision. What do you think about the public sector unions no longer being able to force people to pay dues whether they want to or not? You know what? I'm actually not against it, and I'm going to tell you why. When you're talking about public sector unions, to me, I think is, is really not legitimate. I've been a private union member for the better part of almost three decades. And there is a huge difference and level of performance that you need to adhere to when you compare the two industries. I mean, in the public sector union, you really, I mean, you really got to screw up to get laid off or get fired. And meanwhile, in private sector union world, if you're not pulling your weight every single hour of every single day, you are eliminated immediately. We have people walking around with checks in their pockets just ready to write you a check if you can't carry your own weight. So there's a bit of animosity between the private union sector industry and the public union sector industry. I think it was even FDR who said he thought it would be a terrible idea to unionize uh, the public sector. And you know what? One of the few things I agree with FDR on. So, so you think this is the right, the right call, the right decision? Do you think this is going to have a, an impact on private sector unions now? Now that this has be, been seen by the court as an issue of, of free speech, do you see any trickle-down? Do you see any crossover? Yeah, I do. But you know what, Buck? This has been uh, an ongoing thing. Ever since uh, Reagan, back in the 80s with the PATCO, uh, air traffic controller strike, as soon as private unions became this single-party entity and basically uh, a political arm of the left, unionship and its territory has dwindled year after year. I mean, here in New York City, where I'm from, the territory used to be about 38 37% of all construction that was taking place in New York City was a union stronghold. Now, if you look at it today, we're into single single digits, you know, and I attribute that whole entire decline in the fact that we've become so politicized, which was wrong, because you talk to most union guys, well over 50 to 60 percent of union workers hold conservative beliefs. But here they are. We're, We're kind of painted into a corner and we're told we have to vote for the DNC candidate because he's the guy who's looking out for the unions. And I said to myself, really, is that the case? Because here in New York, the proof is definitely not in the pudding because we're, we're losing territory every single day and we're totally dominated by the Democratic Party. Yeah, why is that? I mean, let me, you know, what is, there's a historical affinity between the, the left and organized labor in this country, but up to, up to the current day, 
what do you attribute the the dominance? Uh, I mean, this is why the Democrats are so upset about this. They view unions as a Democrat constituency. But given what you're telling me, you know, yeah, I, I've I've met steel workers, you know, who are culturally conservative guys you know i've I've met people that are, are working construction crews and people that are doing things that are cover under unions and and they're not you know progressive silicon valley style democrats to say the least but they have to vote democrat what's going on yeah absolutely correct and even in some of these unions they actually take the money out of your paycheck they call it dues or fees and they will take money you've worked for and they will just forward it Right to whatever the latest Democratic uh, political election is coming up. So in, in many cases, a lot of the union guys don't even have say in where their funds are going politically. And that's a problem. Now, what's what's begin to happen? It's it's basically like death by a thousand cuts, you know, with the project labor agreements and with the declining uh, agreements where they. They do, instead of 100% of your mechanics pay, they're doing 80% of your mechanics pay. Now, all of a sudden, we have an A rate and a B rate. Oh, if you want to keep working, you got to work for the B rate. I mean, this is amazing. Everything is going forward except the union's wages. we got tradesmen out there that's been doing this, their, their uh, professional trade for the last 25 years. All of a sudden, are getting paid like a third-year apprentice. You know, it's disgraceful. Now, what do you what do you uh, when people say, you know, maybe unions no longer have a place in a, in a globalized economy? Unions uh, are, are destructive to many industries they're in. What, what's your response to that sentiment? You know, Buck, very, you know, I, I, I've spoken on this subject a lot, and this is my biggest thing. If we could just get the GOP to realize that they have a treasure trove of conservatives that are union workers that would vote for the Republican candidate. But you can't come out against the unions, you know, with, with, uh, with all, all of this uh, energy and momentum. We would be welcoming to have the GOP come back into the fold to depoliticize the whole union infrastructure, because right now, Buck, it's being run like a soft dictatorship. If you don't agree with whatever the union leadership says, you know what happens to you? You, you get kicked you out of the union. Do, you don't do overtime. Maybe <laughs> you, you don't go. go to the next job. Yeah. I can you imagine. Know? And then you have nowhere to appeal. There's not an opposing party that you could go to and plead your case to. I hear you, man. Well, look, Andy, we really appreciate getting a perspective from somebody who's actually in a union. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate your time. Anytime, Buck. Good luck. Andy Sullivan, everybody, former 9 uh, former leader of 9-11 Hard Hats and a 20-year union member. Uh, we are going to come back into roll call here in just a moment. See, I like, I like to bring on diverse voices from various perspectives on this show. And uh, there you have it. And we talk about unions. I feel like we should get a guy who's actually in a union to join. Although I know a lot of you listening are probably in unions. And you can light it up on roll call. Not for this ed- uh, edition, but for tomorrow's, if you want. Let me know what you think about all this. Let me know what you think about unions in general. I want to know, team. And uh, we'll be right back. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Oh, yeah. Roll Call. Time for the Roll Call. 
That's what I'm talking about. Loving the roll call. Okay. I'm sorry. The dubstep gets me fired up. Yes, it does. Does indeed. One day I'll be comfortable saying y'all. I know some of you have given me a y'all pass. Wow, I just made that up, and that's amazing. And I and I, I would like to use my y'all pass, but as a as a just I'm about as Yankee as Yankee gets. Even though I I hold politics much more similar to many of my southern brothers and sisters, uh, and you know I have family in in the South. In fact, I've got a I've got family right now in Charlottesville, Virginia. So you know there's there's some there's some southern ties to the Buck. All right, I, enough of me. Let's get into you. Roll call Facebook.com/slash Buck Sexton. Oh the Freedom Hut podcast, guys, just so you know, it's going to be tomorrow, and I think we're going to make it a Thursday. It is going to be weekly, come hell or high water, but I think we're going to have it be a Thursday release just because of life and things and all the work. But I've got some really cool ideas for uh, that, that are going into it already. And uh, the best martial arts movies, for example, you're going to enjoy it. If you have not already, please do go subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just type in Freedom Hut, go into Apple, go into podcast, or just type in, in the search bar, Freedom Hut, and you'll see it'll pop up and it'll look like a little Freedom Hut icon. That's the Freedom Hut podcast. And please, please spread the word and check it out. It's, it's our time to just hang out. It's not, remember, it's not going to be news-based. It's just going to be it's kind of like Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy, except not that. Good job, Buck. Good Good description. Okay. Uh, in the roll call, you remember facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Uh, whoops. Hold on a second. I just made them all disappear right on time there. Michael sends me, Bub, you might have to rethink your statement that fly kicks are useless. And he sent me a video of a guy taking out a violent homeless man with an impressive flying kick. Michael, I'm not saying it never works. I'm just saying it's low probability. You know, the fly kick is kind of like the three-pointer from five feet beyond the arc. You can hit it, and if you do, it's amazing, but I wouldn't exactly base your game around that one. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what how I view fly kicks. Also, I'm at the age where the notion of a fly kick to the head just makes me think hammy pull, like my hamstring is going to get ripped in half. So there's that. Brian, next up here. Brian writes, I do not turn to MSNBC for my theology. Belief that Christ is the Son of God is all it takes. The thief on the cross did nothing but believe, and he joined Christ in heaven. Oh, Brian, a very good reminder. A good reminder after all the things that are going on in this country and around the world of, of what's really important. So thank you, sir. Uh, TJ, next up here. Buck, what do you think? Can we, should we, turn the Supreme Court vacancy into a voting issue for November? I know we don't need any elections to get a justice through, but perhaps there is some sort of angle we can take to bolster turnout in November. Thoughts? Uh, well, TJ, I think you are correct as uh, this is a strategy that will help with turnout. I do not believe, given that the Supreme Court vacancy is now going to be, the, this is going to be the most epic political fight since, well, Trump v. Hillary, certainly. But in some ways, it'll be even more, because they thought they had that one, you know, you have to remember that there, there wasn't a desperation on the left. There was an arrogance on the left when it came to Hillary versus Trump. And now not only is Trump having a, an incredibly successful presidency, which I, I am here. I Trump, I, I, I can't. The guy is amazing. He's amazing. 
I don't know what else to say. And I was not a an original true believer. And, you know, I'm sure there are going to be things where he disappoints me. He's human. He's imperfect. I get all that, right? There's some stuff that I wish he'd do a little differently. But overall, he's amazing. I don't know what else to say. What he's doing for the country, you know? What he's doing for you. T- tell me what industry you're in, and I can point to it and say, most likely, unless you're in, like, the you know biofuels or uh, <laughs> unless you're, you know, relying on massive government subsidies for your a crappy solar panel company uh, and you're probably doing better and it's because of what this president has been pushing because the tone that he has set and tj i always love when you send a message because you've got an old school shields high t-shirt so there you go alan next up here uh you write when you were talking about being a ventriloquist to act with hillary clinton i almost got sick think about where your hand would have to go yuck alan get your get your head out of the gutter sir Good gosh. Alan, you're gross. Why are you so naughty? Alan shouldn't be thinking about where he's putting the hand on the Hillary doll. That's right, Alan. You should not be thinking about that. Next up here, Brandon. Buck, love your shows. Brandon, love your taste in shows. What are your thoughts on the Supreme Court's decision on Janice V. Afsme? Well, as you know, Brandon, I've been talking about it on the show today, so we've, we've dealt with that one. I'm excited to leave the union and not pay union dues for a liberal union that I disagree with. Shields high. There we go. Some union representation on the show. Uh, indeed. Indeed, sir. Um, thanks for writing in. Daniel. Buck, listen to your podcast commentary on the civility of the anti-war movement. In my time in uniform, I've been spit at, had swastikas drawn in dust on my car, called a baby killer, a D-bag, warmonger, war criminal, have seen bricks through windows of recruiting stations and seen hateful epithets spray painted on windows. Just remember, we'll always hate you. 1969? No. Try circa 2005 to 2007 during the surge. Civility indeed. Well, Daniel, first of all, thank you for serving our country. And second of all, I'm just... You know, there's some things that happen. And as an American, you just you even if you have nothing to do with it, you oppose it with every fiber of you being you're just embarrassed that another so-called American would do it. And anyone who shows uh, disrespect to our troops, that's they they fall into that category. They, They I'm embarrassed as an American that an American would ever do that. Uh, and we know that anti troop sentiment is overwhelmingly from the left. It's not an accident, folks. Maybe it's a conversation we'll have more another time. George. Hey, George, I think you're a first-timer here in the roll call. Hey, Buck, glad you're one of the new generation of conservatives. Please check out Charlie Reese Columns. He brought me into the into the, uh, the conservative movement. He is gone now, but please read a few of his columns. George, I have never heard of Charlie Reese. So on your say-so, I will check it out. Um, so here we go. Oh, by the way, folks, sometimes people write to me and they and then they write again and they think that I'm not reading. I read everything in the inbox. I can't always respond to everything in the inbox, though, because we get uh, hundreds and hundreds, now thousands and thousands of messages. So I, I'm reading it all. Um, I'm reading it all. And I'm, uh, you know, making sure that I get back to it as quickly as I can, as often as I can. Um, so. Just remember that, everyone. All right. Uh, next up here is Melissa. 
Uh, Melissa writes, love the podcast. Being behind, I just heard the discussion on martial arts. Uh, you might want to look into Shaolin Kempo Karate, which incorporates three advanced martial arts styles, karate, kung fu, and jujitsu. It provides a very good set of real-life situational skills. Have seen lots of good uh, for Krav Maga, too. ER nurse friend has had to use it to defend against violent drug-addicted patients brought in for treatment. Hey, guys, I wasn't hating on all martial arts. I was just comparing. First of all, I don't know. You know, I'm a... I'm not even a dilettante. I'm like a, you know, an observer from afar. In the martial arts world, I'm the equivalent of the guy who's way up in the football stands, like way, way up, who's scarfing a bunch of, you know, pretzels covered in mustard, who's like, yeah, I could have thrown that touchdown in the end zone. You stink, Manning. You stink. It's like, you know, no, he doesn't stink, and, and I definitely couldn't have thrown that touchdown. So I'm that guy in martial arts. Like, I'm the guy that has no basis saying anything, really, except I read a lot. Um... But yeah, it's absolutely true that some martial arts are very, Sweet very effective. Lick. Exactly. No mercy. No mercy. Perfect. Uh, team, make sure you subscribe to the Freedom Hut podcast. Go on iTunes. It's also on Stitcher. It'll be out tomorrow. And uh, with that, my friends, as always, I will say it to you because we must keep our shields high. Dogs are the greatest. We all know that. But when you're out and your dog is cooped up inside, what's the first thing your dog does when you let him or her out in the yard? Might be digging. Now, digging can be kind of funny and cute for a moment until you realize, one, they're putting a hole in your yard, and two, they can get under your fence. How do you stop them from doing that? Because if they get under the fence and outside, guess what? That poses a risk to the dog. And, oh, by the way, predators like foxes and raccoons, they can also get under your fence. Dig Defense solves this problem. Dig Defense keeps your furry kids safe. It's easy to install with a hammer and a pair of gloves, and all it does is extend the protection of your fence underground. It's available online at Lowe's, Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. Dig Defense, the solution to pets digging under the fence and getting out or letting predators in. Go to StopTheDig.com. Again, Dig Defense at StopTheDig.com now.